Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 122. In today's episode, new remedies for vomiting and diarrhea in dogs. What is a poultice and how you can use it to relieve inflammation. What you need to know about bloat, gastric dilation, and volvulus in dogs. Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. I would love it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review questions or suggestions, feel free to post a comment about this podcast episode on the blog at www.theinternetpetvet.com. I encourage you to get a copy of my new free book, Natural Health for Dog and Cats, in which I share the most important remedies to keep your pets healthy and naturally treat disease. You can get your copy by going to www.veterinarysecrets.com. Now let's get right into today's podcast. New Remedies for Vomiting and Diarrhea in Dogs. No question, one of the more common reasons dogs visiting a veterinary clinic is for vomiting and diarrhea. One of the most common causes is garbage gut or gastritis. They eat something they shouldn't, not such a big surprise, say your dog is a Labrador, vomiting and diarrhea. So what should you do? Number one, assess your dog. Are they still alert or very lethargic? Are they continuing to vomit every hour or just a few times? Assess hydration. Are they extremely dehydrated or just moderately? This can be done by checking their gums. They should have some moisture when you touch the gums to your finger. Assuming they are still alert, only vomiting a few times and not extremely dehydrated, consider trying a few of these home remedies. No food for 24 hours, as in no foods, treats, etc. Offer plenty of fresh water. Add an electrolyte solution to the water, as they're going to be low in electrolytes. If they are not drinking at all, you can syringe in fluid at the rate of about 100 ml per 10 pounds daily. That's approximately one half a cup per 10 pounds. More serious cases can require sub-Q fluids, which can be done at home. If in doubt, please see your veterinarian. Then something for the vomiting, and here are a few options. Number one, consider tea as a natural antacid, peppermint tea. It's more than just used to freshen your breath. It has antispasmodic effect on the body, making it a great choice for relieving stomach problems like nausea and indigestion. Chamomile tea has been known to induce sleep and calm anxiety. It can also ease gut discomfort and relieve indigestion by reducing stomach acid in the gastrointestinal tract. Chamomile also acts as an anti-inflammatory to stop pain. Then lastly, there's the over-the-counter antacid famotidine sold under the brand name Pepsid. A typical dog dose is 10 milligrams per 40 pounds, two to three times a day. I find it quite effective and most dogs respond very rapidly. Then lastly, something for the diarrhea. Here are some options. Pepto-Bismol, it's an old standby that can be effective for dogs. The dog dose is one mil per 10 pounds of body weight given three times daily for no more than seven days. Kaopectate, they have a newer version that is safe for dogs and cats. It contains a type of clay as the active ingredient which binds toxins, decreasing fluid in the intestinal tract and subsequent diarrhea. The dose for pets is 0.5 to 1 mil per pound by mouth every 4 to 6 hours. Treatment should only be needed for 1 to 2 days. Emodium or loperamide, it can be used with care, but you need to avoid giving it to collies or collie crosses. The dose for dogs is 0.5 mg per 10 pounds three times daily. You're giving your 40 pound dog one 2 mg tablet three times a day. Then lastly, consider this new herbal remedy for both vomiting and diarrhea. Slippery elm powder for dogs, cats, gastrointestinal disease, inflammatory bowel disease. It's safe and effective and it's even used for cats that have chronic renal failure. Slippery elm bark is a herbal remedy used for most kinds of digestive intestinal problems. It can be used for nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, or constipation. As a side effect, it can improve coat dryness and dandruff. What is the slippery elm bark dosage? The typical dose is 1 8 to a quarter of a teaspoon, 
of slippery on bark powder per 10 pounds once or twice daily. That equates to one 400 milligram capsule per 10 pounds of body weight daily. You can give these whole or open them and sprinkle them on your dog or cat's food. As an aside, this is something I personally used and of all the different herbal remedies, I found it to be very effective for nausea, inflammatory bowel disease. Really, really, really important remedy. Our dogs and cats, they tolerate it really well. You have a dog that's vomiting, you have a dog that's got diarrhea, I encourage you to consider slippery elm. What is a poultice and how can you use it to relieve inflammation? A poultice is a paste made of herbs, plants, and other substances with healing properties. The paste is spread on a warm, moist cloth and applied to the body to relieve inflammation and promote healing. Some can be spread directly on the skin. This is a popular home remedy. It's been used for centuries to treat inflammation, insect bites, etc. When using a poultice, you not only get the benefits of the ingredient that you're using, but also the method itself. The warm poultice can increase blood flow to the area, which is an important part of healing. Poultices are used for abscess. An abscess, also called a boil, it's a collection of pus that forms due to a bacterial infection. Think about a cat bite abscess, right? It's the bacteria from an, another cat's mouth being penetrated into your cat by that cat's tooth. A poultice has been used as a popular home remedy for the treatment for abscesses for centuries. The moist heat from a poultice can help draw out the infection and help the abscess shrink and drain naturally. Poultices can be used for cysts. A cyst is a sac filled with fluid or a mix of solid substances and fluids. They can grow in a variety of places on your dog and cat's body. Applying a warm poultice to a cyst can speed up healing by one, helping it drain, two, in some cases, just that heat, and just the heat along with the herb that you're using. It can decrease inflammation in the duct, that's the opening, and allow the, pol the and then allow the cyst to drain properly. Poultices have been used for arthritis. Probably one of the most common reasons our pets are on anti-inflammatories because of arthritis, but there are other options. A 2010 study on people with osteoarthritis found that applying a warm ginger compress to the kidney area improved pain and stiffness, as well as overall well-being. Ginger and a number of other plants have been shown to have anti-arthritic, anti-rheumatic, and other anti-inflammatory properties. Applying a poultice made of herbs for arthritis may help relieve inflammation and pain. My, in my own experience, I've actually used comfrey. It's another anti-inflammatory plant. With a poultice, I actually use some form of a comfrey sac. Once again, it could also be used as a poultice. And it's great anytime you're dealing with soft tissue injury. I can personally attest it worked really well for me. I've seen a number of different dog and cat parents saying this worked really well for their own animals as well. Let's comfrey as a poultice. And here's how to make a poultice with a very common kitchen ingredient. You don't need anything special. All you need is baking soda, right? This poultice just requires nothing more than two or three tablespoons of baking soda mixed with just enough warm water to make a paste. You've got two or three tablespoons of baking soda, enough hot water to form a thick paste, organic cheesecloth or a cloth for covering, a waterproof covering to keep the poultice on. You make this thick paste, you apply it directly to the wound. This is great for insect bites. And you're between two layers of cloth. You're putting one layer of cloth on top of the wound, then the poultice, then another layer of cloth, and maybe some type of waterproof covering. You want to leave it on for 20 minutes up to three hours as needed and repeat as necessary. After that, you're going to wash it off as you don't want your dog or cat licking all that excess baking soda. Obviously, it's extremely high in sodium. It can cause them to vomit. But there are many options and many benefits of poultices. You know, in truth, I didn't really use this in veterinary practice. I just saw it as being very time-consuming. It's so much easier just to give a tablet, for instance. But if you're a dog or cat, they have a local area of inflammation. They've got a local joint that's affected with arthritis. Considering using one of these poultices. 
The last section of today's podcast is about bloat or gastric dilation in volvulus in dogs. What is it? It's a serious and life-threatening disorder that occurs when a dog's stomach becomes bloated because it's full of food, foreign material, excess gas, fluid, or foam. It can happen very quickly and should be addressed as an emergency. It's more common in large breeds that have a genetically inherited weakness in the ligament that holds the stomach in the correct position. It's often brought on by a dog gorging on large quantities of food and sometimes they then go for a run. Sometimes bloat, the stomach swelling, can be complicated by a deadly condition called gastric dilation and volvulus, GDV, or stomach twisting. And if you look at a dog from behind, typically the stomach, it will twist clockwise. In bloat, gas stretches the stomach many times its normal size, causing serious stomach pain. The distended stomach tends to rotate, thus twisting off not only its blood supply, but also the exit routes of the gas inside. The spleen, which normally rests along the greater curvature of the stomach, can twist as well, cutting off its circulation. The distended stomach becomes so large that it can compress large veins that run along the back, returning the body's blood to the heart, creating circulatory shock. This is extremely painful and rapidly life-threatening. A dog with a bloated twisted stomach, more scientifically called gastric dilation and volvulus, can die in a matter of hours unless drastic steps are taken. What about the risks? If your dog is older or has a family history of bloat, he or she may be at greater risk for bloat large breed dogs, those that eat dry food, and ones that perform vigorous exercise are also at risk. Dogs with those barrel chests, including Afghans, Bassets, Boxers, Chows, Collies, Golden Retrievers, Great Danes, Irish Setters, Lab Retrievers, Standard Poodles, St. Bernards, and Weimaraners, as well as dogs of mixed breeds that include one or more of those breeds are also at risk for bloat or GDV. What are the signs of bloat? If your dog has bloat or GDV, you may notice that he or she suddenly has a distended swollen belly. Typically in practice, what I would get called with, say an emergency, is this dog all of a sudden looks like they have a swollen belly can, or continue trying to retch or vomit, this retching, this non-productive vomiting. And they're just failing to bring anything up because they can't, because it's not only is the stomach bloated, often it's twisted. They're gonna be very restless. As it progresses, they can progress to depression, sudden weakness, collapse pill mucous membranes and cool extremities. These are typical or signs of a dog in shock. You know, the classic presentation of bloat is a sudden onset of abdominal distension and distress, anxiety and pain, panting, garden and belly. They got this really like anguish facial expression and multiple attempts at vomiting that are frequently unproductive. Not every dog is gonna have this classic appearance and some dogs will not even have obvious stomach distension just based on their body configuration. If you're not sure, it's best to err on the side of caution and get your dog to the emergency veterinarian as soon as possible. So what is the emergency treatment? First thing a veterinarian is gonna do is decompress. A stomach tube and a stomach pump are generally used for this, but sometimes surgery is needed to achieve stomach decompression. They've gotta remove all that air out of the stomach. IV fluids must be given to reverse the shock. An IV catheter is placed and life-giving fluid solutions are rushed in to replace the blood that cannot get past the bloated stomach to return to the heart. The heart rhythm is often assessed and stabilized. In many cases, they can get a condition called premature ventricular contraction. It's often associated with bloat. Since this rhythm problem may not be evident even until the next day, continual EKG monitoring may be necessary. Disturbed heart rhythm at the beginning of treatment is associated with 40% mortality rate. 
surgery. In general, all bloated dogs, once stable, should have surgery. Without surgery, the damage done inside cannot be assessed or repaired, plus bloat may recur at any point, even within the next few hours. The surgery involves untwisting the stomach. It usually rotates clockwise when standing behind your dog. It's then sutured to the side of the abdomen called gastropexy. In general, about 60 to 70% of dogs that have surgery survive. Obviously, this is based on how soon the dog makes it to the veterinarian, the severity of the soft tissue injury, secondary damage due to shock, and heart arrhythmias. How can you help prevent this in your dog? There's a number of different things to consider. One is smaller, more frequent meals. Eliminate kibble to have less gas production. Not feeding gas-producing foods such as broccoli, etc. Delay exercise after eating. Elevating the food bowls may help, but some studies are contradictory. It makes sense to make it easier for your dog to eat and consume less air. Digestive enzymes may help decrease gas production. Probiotics, the beneficial bacteria can aid in digestion, lowering gas. Lastly, consider prophylactic surgery. Consider this new recommendation. And this is what the researchers said, that the best method of preventing GDV and its complication is to educate pet owners about prophylactic gastropexy and predisposed large, giant, or deep-chested breeds. Prophylactic gastropexy can be performed as an elective procedure at the same time as spay or neuter. So what they're doing here is they're just tacking the stomach to the side of the abdominal wall so that it can't twist, and that's what you want to prevent. Be aware of the signs of bloat. It can happen very fast, and if you see it, you need to get your dog to the veterinarian as soon as possible. As I said earlier, what I saw in practice, you see these dogs that had obvious abdominal pain. They're very showing a whole lot of discomfort. They're pacing. They're repeatedly trying to vomit and gag, but not much is coming up. I'm like, okay, likely this is a dog that is bloating, and get your dog to the clinic as soon as possible. You don't, don't want to delay. And if you have a large breed dog at risk, then at the very least, you do what you can to decrease the likelihood of this happening. Thanks, you guys, for listening to this edition of the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This was podcast 122. If you got a large breed dog, you know, maybe consider some of those steps to prevent your dog from bloating in the first place. If your dog is vomiting or diarrhea, consider some of those remedies. Lastly, if you've never made a poultice, never tried it on your dog or cat, consider trying that the next time your dog has an abscess or cat has a cyst. It may be helpful. So once again, thanks for listening. I hope to talk to you soon. It's Dr. Jones.